All right, welcome to another episode of the Fix Your Plate podcast on the Eat, Drink, and Dine Network. My name is Anella Malik. I'm here with my co-host and good friend, KJ Kearney of Black Food Fridays. And this episode is super exciting for me, at least. On this episode, we're going to be talking to my friend and, oh my gosh, I called you my friend. Wow, what an introduction. <laughs> okay, to my husband. I love you too. Life partner, lover, BB, Habibi, bestie. Ahmed Zuhairi. So this is something that I get a lot of questions about. I get questions from my community all the time about Ahmed, about what he does, and also just about his role in Feed the Malik, because the blog is very much me, but clearly he's there with me. He's in the videos. He's eating the food. He's definitely helping behind the scenes. So we decided we were going to open it up to communal questions. And we have a list of questions that my community submitted. I know KJ has a few questions. Ahmed, say hello to the folks. Hello, folks. Thanks for having me. <laughs> hello, podcast world. I'm happy to be here. This is we're, not a typical thing, but we're going to do it. Yeah, and we're happy to have you too, first and foremost. I'm actually giving a master class uh, at work next month, so this is a great practice. There you go. Well, let me get right into it then, sir, since this is good practice. Okay. We're gonna. I'm going to ask a community question first, okay? Okay. So, Mr. Foodtastic asks, and shameless plug for anyone listening, go back and listen to our episode with Mr. Foodtastic. Great episode. Jackson. Thank you, sir. He wants to know, who eats more, you or Anella? And the most important question of all, do you share your food? Okay, let me start with the low-hanging fruit, which is do we share our food? And we do so to an annoying level. Um... <laughs> There are some days when I want to sit and just eat my meal. You know, it's like the classic. I don't remember if it was Frasier or Friends or one of those shows. And someone reaches over for someone else's fries. Maybe it was Seinfeld. And sometimes I get that feeling where I just want my fries. Right. <laughs> I want, and I want to know what I ordered is going <laughs> to arrive in front of me. And I will just eat it from beginning to end at my own pace. So 99.9% .9 of the time, food is shared. The only meal that is not shared maybe is breakfast on a weekday when we're doing our own thing other than that everything is shared swapping plates picking off of each other's plates well and sometimes dessert usually i'll have like a bite but he has more of a sweet tooth than me i like desserts right. but mm, i don't know okay so who eats more then i don't know how to quantify that oh i have an answer what on most days i think i eat more except when Ahmed has come back from a really intense bike ride because he's a cyclist and then he will just destroy everything in the entire That's kitchen. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. A hard day in the saddle will up my calorie intake by like <laughs> 3000. So I'm just eating the rest of the day nonstop. But usually I feel like usually I eat more often. I get hungry more often um, and I eat more. Great. So we got another really good question here from life is foodieful. And her question is, and this is that first one was was kind of light and bright. This is getting in some darker territory, sir. Here we go. Okay. okay. We I bring out the big guns on this podcast. How have you supported Anella when she's gotten hate from trolls? Is it ever challenging as her partner? Oh, yes. 
This is tremendously challenging. And it's very challenging in particular because early on when the Feed Them Elite journey began, I was very skeptical of social media. I was sort of like an old curmudgeon, you know, I didn't believe really that it was like the way of the future. Definitely did not think Anella was going to be building a career out of it. And so early on when she was getting hate, I really was not doing a great job of supporting her because I was like, you know, this is a problem with social media, like get off of social media. That was my solution. But as I realized the weight it was going to have in our lives and how important it was to Anella, I realized that this is a very legitimate outlet and now not just hobby, but career. So when she when she gets like vitriol over the internet, first of all, I'm I always try to be empathetic and I listen to what's going on um, because what people say on the internet, there's a lot of back and forth. Um, there's context that's missed, and try my best, try my best to hear out her solutions, hear out how she's going to respond. You know, just just be there for her in any way I can. It's extremely complicated, so you know each each case is different. This is from Hillary. I hope I'm saying your last name right, Fabricio, Hillary Fabricio. This is her question to you, sir. Since you also get to eat slash use the things Anella is sent, what is your dream Feed the Malik sponsor? Wow. I like that, that question. Huge. And that's a great question. Probably something very recently we had was a Black female-owned food delivery service. And, you know, we are mostly vegetarians, as I think a lot of listeners know and followers of Anella. At home. So we have tried a lot of, you know, what people would describe as as vegan soul food, you know, veggie-centric soul food. And a lot of it is pretty good, but a lot of it is still really heavy, especially for me. They substitute the dairy for something else that's, you know, just as heavy like cashew cream, which is delicious, but it still is just filling your gut at the end of the day. So we recently got this meal delivery service and it was just a perfect balance of what she described as healthy soul food. Um, There was some fish in there, but it wasn't too oily. It was very filling. Healthy comfort food. And yeah, healthy comfort food, I think is how she described it. And so I think sort of like a regular rotation of dishes like that would just be awesome because there are those just terrific things that are great for the photos, like those big cookies, but you can only eat so many of those, right? Um, Right, right. And they're delicious, but in all honesty, that's not what you would want. If that was like the main sponsorship, you don't want a freezer full of cookies because you'll just get sick of it. Yeah. I mean, and, and for reference for listeners, we at home tend to eat mostly vegetarian, Uh, And we treat meat and seafood almost like a treat. It's something we have infrequently or when we dine out, we'll often like split one dish that has an animal protein and then get a bunch of sides. I'm all about the sides. Mm -hmm. And Ahmed, as a cyclist, is I wouldn't say concerned with his weight, but like does kind of track his, you know, his weight and intake because extra pounds on the bike just as he has told me can make you slower. So his dream is like this very delicious comfort food that was very healthy. It was like tons of whole grains, lots of veggies, lean seafood. And for those who are listening who are in the DC area, it is a company called Sauce. Um, You can Google Sauce Foods DC and she does meal delivery and her food is incredible. Good answer, good answer. This question comes from Arlington.Dining. It's a long one, okay? I'm curious about his patience level with taking (laughs) pictures before a meal and or whether y'all have any ground rules. For example, 
my fiance will order something right away for himself so he can eat it and I won't photograph it. So basically that's, I mean, I don't want to read the whole question, but that's basically what is your patience level when you're going out to eat with Anella as it relates to taking pictures, sir? Wow. Okay. I feel seen. Uh, dining dot Arlington dot dining or whatever it is. Great question. Yes. Very difficult topic. I think it was something that flew under the radar for a long time. And, you know, Anella's career took off and I just thought, oh, this is great. We're going out to eat. I'm going to enjoy it. And then I realized it had been months since we went to a restaurant, we ordered and we just ate without a phone uh, getting in the way and photos and videos happening. So now we have a discussion before we go out about what it's for. If it's for Feed the Malik, I go into it with that understanding and I'm not going to take offense when there's a phone out. Um, I'm going to enjoy the meal. I know that it's partially for work or mostly for work and I'm really there for the ride. And then there are times when it's a date night or I'm paying. It has nothing to do with Feed the Malik and I decide where we're going or even if it's where Anella wants to go, but it's not Feed the Malik related, then it's phones down, no photos. And so, yeah, that's that's our little system we have set up because it was something that we did not pay attention to at the end and it boiled over uh, in a lot of frustration for a moment. But it's an easy fix when you have a system in place. So that's a great question, though, because that's that's a serious issue, especially in the age of cell phones when they're everywhere and, you know, people want to see your face and they want to talk to you and enjoy the food. Anella, were you going to say something looked like you wanted to add? I'm just giggling over here because this was a persistent pain point for us for a while. And we legit have the conversation before we leave the house. I'll be like, this is for Feed the Malik, right? Like my portion of the dinner is going to go on the business card. My phone will be out for photos and even a couple videos, but then I'll put it away. And I will credit Ahmed actually with having made me a much faster photographer and videographer. Um, he used to get very, very frustrated at the beginning when I was learning and I'm still learning, but I was much slower and I wasn't as confident <clears throat> and I didn't have a photography background at all. So I was just like experimenting and he would get very frustrated and impatient. And now I made it known. <laughs> Let's just say that. Word. <laughs> Now I will say that my friends who are photographers or who are food bloggers or influencers, they comment and they're like, wow, you are so quick when you are getting your shots at a restaurant. And I'm like, oh yeah, because Ahmed doesn't play that shit. <laughs> That's good. That's good. I, well, first of all, I think, I mean, because I've seen a couple people in the comments ask a very similar question. So I think you hit a lot of the people's questions about your patience. And I appreciate mm -hmm. y'all both being candid about that in that same vein though r-a-w-r-c-h-a-e-l-p i don't know what that's supposed to be but very good question what are the best and worst experiences you've had with anella and feed the malik specifically do you ever get tired of playing a supporting role like is it annoying or difficult to have your life especially your bike tan posted publicly Yes. Um, I definitely get tired. This is a great question. I'm glad that it was this pointed so I don't have to get into it like that. Um, so thank you, listener and question asker. Um, how do I how do I answer this? I don't think I ever get annoyed in being a supporting role. I think I do get annoyed with a camera being around all the time. 
there are days where Anella is photographing me and recording me and it's totally fine. Um, but I think as humans who socialize for most of history without phones, and now there's this thing in between you and the other person, there are days where understandably the person just does not want an effing phone around. She might be taking photos and I just tell her, just put it away because like, I want to live my life right now without being a part of Feed the Malik. So I don't think I'll ever say that I'm tired of being a supporting role because I think being in a supporting role with how well she's doing and how well Feed the Malik is doing is something that we can both be proud of. And it's also brought us a lot of fun times um, and a lot of opportunities. I will just say, <laughs> given how much time Feed the Malik is taking, that definitely lends itself nicely to justifying how much time I spend on my own hobbies. AKA cycling. Uh, whether it's cycling or, or I just want to get up and read for a couple hours uh, while Anella's on the computer. So because we're both people with a lot of hobbies, that that helps a lot. Now, I like that. I like that. We we have a question here from seasoned with grace.blog. More light question. Okay. What is a food that you like that most people around you don't? A food that I like, Anella, you need to answer this one first because I'm not sure. Okay, well, if we're talking about foods I like that I Ahmed I doesn't, one. mussels. There you go. I really like mussels and he doesn't like them. And so 50-50 chance I might not order them, mostly because <laughs> we share all of our plates. And sometimes I just don't want a big pot of mussels to myself. I think the only one I can think of that I have heard people utter about how they don't like it is eggplant. It's just not very popular in American cuisine, mm. but I kill for eggplant. You know, baba ganoush, of course, when it's blended up, just roasted, um, sauteed and put on hoagie, you know, just give me the eggplant. <laughs> that That's a really good answer, dude. Eggplant really emoji good stuff. all over the right. one. <laughs> hey. Eggplant water emoji. <laughs> <laughs> Double entendre. Okay, so this is a question from Pile on the Food. How often, sir, do you get recognized in the streets? All the time, multiple times a week. And a lot of people are so nice that they won't even confront me if I'm alone. They'll just message Anella. It happens one, probably once a week. I'll come home and Anella will say, oh, my friend texted you. Were you near Union Station? Apparently she was walking. That's it. Or I'll be in the store and someone will see me from afar. And it is kind of creepy knowing that people are looking at me and they know who I am and they didn't say anything. And I get home and realize someone was watching. Yeah, I'll get DMs. It's like, Ahmed it's like a Black Mirror episode. It's but about to begin. You can never go somewhere in D.C., I feel like, without someone being like, oh, I saw Ahmed, but I didn't say anything because I don't know. He was alone. <laughs> this is a good question. Misty's one. M-I-S-T-I-E-S-T one. What has been your favorite thing about the Feed the Malik journey? Probably, man, some sort of combination between all of the great food, of course, that I would have never tried. Looking back at what my food choices were, which granted, I like diverse food, but I wasn't constantly seeking out new restaurants. It's just, I never imagined I would be eating this array of food. Um, I'm talking... There are some weeks where every single day, there's no repeat. 
you know, of cuisine or of dishes in particular. I'm eating like 50 different ingredients throughout the week. And a lot of people just have structured eating. You know, they go to the same few restaurants. Maybe they try a new one and they feel kind of crazy, like they're stepping out of the box um, on the weekend. But I mean, we do that regularly. So I would say that's that's probably one of the greatest aspects. And then the other is having a wonderful kitchen setup. I'd say that's that's great, you know, because so much shooting in the kitchen is happening. We have to have like great knives, great cutting boards, beautiful dishes, an espresso machine. You know, that maybe was- that's not required for Feed the Malik, but hey, I'm was- loving it. This guy's loving it. So I got him an espresso machine as a gift, but also as a gift for myself. And it has been a fabulous addition to our kitchen. I'm not mad at that, man. So Taste of the Union asked a question that I think the first part of her question you guys kind of already talked about. So I'm going to ask the second one. Any tips for other partners who help their blogging or Instagram significant others? So with all the experience you have, sir, if someone's girlfriend, husband, boyfriend, whatever is about to get into the blogging world, what advice do you have for that supportive partner? Be very clear upfront when something is encroaching on your personal life that's related to work because we all have our phones we all have our instagrams and whatnots but as soon as it becomes a hobby or a career that revolves around your phone your partner's phone it's going to start to creep in it's going to creep into the bedroom it's going to creep into the lunches it's going to creep into the dinners you're going to be having breakfast morning and all of a sudden they're going to be taking selfies in the corner <laughs> to talk about what's happening in the news. Um, so as soon as you notice that and as soon as you get that nagging feeling in the back of your head that it's starting to encroach in a way that you're uncomfortable with, you need to vocalize it and you need to set boundaries before things get out of control. Yeah. I mean, I'll expand on that a little bit because I think this is something that Ahmed does really well is... He's very good at vocalizing his needs, but in a very respectful way, which I love. It's like high emotional IQ. He can be like, you know, I've been feeling really dissatisfied lately um, because I feel like your attention is divided. And here are some examples. And what could we do about that? And so we've had that conversation, right? Like a relationship requires ongoing, consistent investment and work, period. And one of the results is that like, I don't have my phone in the bedroom at all anymore because that's like our quiet time where it should just be us and we're getting ready for bed and I shouldn't be like messaging someone or something. And like we try to have breakfast together now instead of some days when I'm really busy, my instinct is just to wake up and just start working. And I tend to be a little bit of a workaholic. I will admit that I'm not good at balance and I've always been that way. Um, and now I'm running my own business where I feel like if I don't do it all, like my income could be impacted. Uh, I tend to not set very good boundaries, but Ahmed is good about that. And because we can explicitly have the conversation without me or without either of us, I think taking it really deeply personally, like, oh, you know, he hates my job. And I'm like, no, he doesn't hate my job. He just, you know, certain times that we've been very open about wants to have quality time. And like Mm -hmm. without 30,000 people pulling my attention away, because I do take work very seriously, that was a necessary series of conversations. Also be very clear about time. As someone 
who has a partner that does not work a regular nine to five, the time and space aspect of her work can be very fluid. And so have a shared calendar, you know, have a work calendar or a Google calendar where you can see what your partner is doing that day when they're going to need the car. And just understand that it could be 2 p.m. and you're working from home and you think it's okay to just barge in to the bedroom in your pajamas because you need to wash your face or brush your teeth. And they are being interviewed on NPR. So being very clear with your partner about sort of how you're going to structure those days and require like absolute requirements when you're both working from home or, for example, he or she has or they have uh, an engagement in the evening that's work related that otherwise wouldn't be a regular thing for someone who just works a nine to five in an office and can come home and that's it. That's really good. Hey, I like this. This has been a very interesting conversation. Yeah, so thanks to these great questions too. Yeah. We're going to do a couple more questions. I'm going to save my question for the very end, but this is from with C Jones. If you had to choose one of these as your full-time gig, sir. Okay. These are your only two options. You got to pick one of the two. Would you rather choose being a full-time cyclist or joining Feed the Malik? And I get to ask no follow-up questions. (laughs) Is it the same? Is it the same income? Well, there's no details here. You know what I mean? So I'm going to let you finesse it how you want to finesse it. I'm going to fantasize that I am a workhorse on a domestic pro team in my thirties and I'm making 45 grand a year, but all my other stuff is paid for travel, food, etc. So yeah, we'll do that. We'll be cyclists. Let's do it. I mean, we've talked about this. He thinks I'm crazy, but, and I've told you KJ, like I've never dreamed about making millions of dollars. I've always viewed money as a vehicle for stability. And so I am serious about making money because I'm serious about stability. And I feel like I am tired of my life feeling uprooted, but my dream is to make enough through Feed the Malik that Ahmed could quit his job and could pursue cycling full-time for a couple of years and not have to worry about making money because the way I view it is like, what is the mark of real success, right? For me, it's not like buying a Tesla. The mark of real success for me is being able to support the people I love to pursue the things that are important to them. And I already live we already live a life where we try to spend intentionally. Like we try really to be the people who opt for the thing that's more expensive, but causes less harm. We, I think are not perfect. Everyone, you know, everyone says that they love fair trade and then like goes to target and Walmart occasionally. No one's perfect, but we try and we try to be really deliberate about giving about charity and about how we spend. And so I feel like those are things we're already doing with our income and we'll continue to do no matter how much it grows. But my dream really maybe selfishly is that like, yeah, I could support my husband who supported me through so much uh, to pursue a dream that he's had for years that maybe, maybe won't work out. Who knows? But, you know, a lot of people in their lives him included, have not pursued their ultimate dream because the finances don't make sense. And I feel like that's capitalism, uh, but it's also such a shame. And when I was in the foreign service, this man moved to Jordan to be with me without a job, like without a plan, right? It was just like, I want to, I love this woman. I want to make it work. Um, and then I, he got a job and then, oh, guess what? We were done with Jordan because my job in Jordan was done. We moved back. 
And then I quit my job. <laughs> and then I started this like really risky venture. And so, you know, for me, it's like after all of that turmoil, if we get to a point with Feed the Malik where we can have some stability and plan, really plan on that income, like why should he not pursue cycling? I have to say on the record officially, I don't want to pursue cycling full time. <laughs> and I've said it before. <laughs> And I'll say it again. <laughs> I'd rather just keep doing what I'm doing, but Anella works less. <laughs> oh, there we go. There we go. Yeah. We're on the but same page on that one, every, though. Every, I tell single her, time, every single time you say you want to make enough money for me to, to cycle full time, there's not a huge benefit to me cycling full time right now. Just, the ship has sailed. I like how much I'm cycling while also having a fulfilling yeah, career. I know, I know. Focusing on the Middle East, which is my second love. Or my first love, really. So I say pursue cycling um, because no matter what Ahmed says, he has definitely expressed that he does have those kind of what if thoughts. Like what if when I was younger and stronger and faster, I had really done this thing that I like was super into. And so maybe, maybe, at, you know, 30 or 35, hopefully whenever this happens, you don't want to pursue cycling, but maybe you're like really dissatisfied at your job. Mm -hmm. And you want to go to Iraq for six months to mm -hmm. hang out with your family and just like do research. Mm -hmm. Or maybe we both want to up and move to the Middle East again because we love it. And we spent 10 years <laughs> learning Arabic. Amen. And we miss it. And we have people that we want to be with, you know, like. Mm -hmm. So maybe cycling is a symbol. But for me, that is the mark of success is like I want right. to try to spend responsibly. I want to try to minimize the harm that living in a capitalist system inflicts on people who have less privilege than us. But ultimately I want to provide us with a life where if you have one of those moments where you're like, I'm really passionate about this thing. I want to do this thing that you can do it. Mm, that was good, man. We got it. Okay. So I'm going to ask time. We're good, right? We're, we're good on time, but I'm going right. to ask cool. two more questions because I like the fullness of your questions. So, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to shortchange any of the listeners. So this question comes from Carpe underscore DMV, two parts. One, I want to know where your favorite biking trail is in the DMV. Mm -hmm. Second, I want to hear if he has any controversial food opinions. For example, they put mm. loves pineapple on pizza or something like that. Nope. So number one, Biking trail. Number two, do you have any controversial food takes? Okay. I imagine the person asking this is a civilian who does not regularly get in spandex and ride 100 miles. And therefore, I have a great answer for you. The Anacostia Park Trail is terrific because in the early mornings, there's hardly anyone there uh, except a few walking groups, very little traffic. And so it's a great place for me to go ride in the morning if my ride is only one, maybe 1 1.5 hours, and that's it. It's just a couple miles long. I can go out and back as many times as I need to to get in my workout, whatever it is that morning. And to boot, it's right along the water, which is super awesome. You will often see Marine Force One flying right overhead. And then if we're talking about a longer trail, probably out of Rock Creek Park, if you just keep going north, there's a terrific loop up in Maryland um, where you can go northwest and you can basically play with it and make it as short or as long as you want. Anywhere from like 20 miles to 100 miles. If you want to go all the way out to like Seneca, um, you know, just like hit up a cafe and a bakery when you have all the time. 
in the world. Get out, reconnect with nature. No, that was good. So what about food takes? Do you have any controversial food takes, sir? Let me let me see. Um, because I'm usually pretty honest with this. If I have something controversial, mm. I, yeah, I try to eat healthy a lot, which bothers Anella. Like I won't want to eat the fried chicken every single time there's fried chicken. But that's not controversial. I don't know. What do you think? I don't really think you do. Other than sometimes you'll complain if Arab food is expensive. But that's mostly because like... Mm-hmm. I mean, we've talked with, and he knows, he's like, no, it's, it's worth this price. It should be expensive. But also like I grew up eating some of this food and sometimes it just hurts to swipe our card for that much. Yeah. That's not so much pepperoni on or pineapple on pizza, but definitely yes, being an Arab. And I've heard it from, you know, Latin American folks as well, when they go to a taqueria that pays fair wages, um, that it's just like, wow, my Tata or my BB, like I grew up eating this for free at home. And yeah, she spent probably six hours <laughs> for us to eat. You know, she got up at eight in the morning and cooked for six hours straight. And I'm just going to forget about that fact, um, you know, and, and look at this this bill and say that it's too expensive. So to wrap this up, I think your previous answer will will feed directly into my question, which was, you know, you briefly we have briefly mentioned your background on this podcast. Mm-hmm. and. I wanted to know, as someone who passes, and but for those of you who are listening, you don't know what I mean, passes mm-hmm. as a white person. Like, you could blend in if you chose to. Mm-hmm. Have you ever heard anyone saying some wild, crazy stuff about your wife or about other, you know, minority groups mm-hmm. because they think you're one of us, so to speak? Like, and mm-hmm. And how do you handle those situations? Oh, yes. This is too, too real. There have been times, one I'll never forget, I was packing up to go to grad school to move to Washington, D.C., and I researched like pallet shipping or something, and it was 500 bucks. I could ship all my stuff. I would wrap it in a pallet. My stepdad was helping me do it. The trucker came on, I don't know, a Wednesday or something. We got to talking, and he asked why I was going to Washington, D.C. I told him I'm going to graduate school. And he asked why. And I told him, I'm going to continue studying the Middle East, in in particular, the Arab world. And he said something along the lines of, oh, like a know, not along the lines of, he said exactly, oh, like a know thy enemy. Oh, wow. Type of deal or something like that. And I didn't confront him or call him out on it. I probably, I honestly don't remember. I probably just chuckled um, and just like let it go because, especially because this guy was handling my stuff. So... There's a little power dynamic there where like I just put thousands of dollars worth of things into this pallet that he now has control of. So I really didn't want to make him angry. Uh, but things like that. Yeah, things like that happen all, all the, time. the time. And even when they know my name, like when I was working in Kuwait, I was supporting contractors there. So a lot of ex-military folks who are now private contractors just doing like, car rentals and very boring logistics. And one of the clients came to our office and I had been emailing with him. And so he arrived and I went to meet him. And the first thing he says is, wow, you don't look like an Ahmed. And so, you know, I have a little bit more agency here. I really don't care about this guy. I hate this job. So I'm like, what does an Ahmed look like to you? And he just got very uncomfortable, you know, like sweating a little bit, just like, oh, you know, like, uh, uh," and just like, 
Uh, I kind of, I kind of settled it down for him. You know, I just kept talking to make it easier on him. I was like, it's okay. I know what you meant like a dishdasha or something, you know, like a white gown because like most Arabs, actually not true in Kuwait. There are a lot of Ahmeds who are from Lebanon, probably in Egypt who wear suits every day. So there are, there are so many things like that, especially around 4th of July, you know, like if you're at a party with just like really just broy white people who are getting shit faced and are just douchebags. Um, they just they say the stupidest shit. So that's why I don't even go to those events anymore. I stopped going to those events a long time ago because it's just so, so isolating and so just so violent to be at a place like that where people are just like waving this, like really this flag right in front of your face, just like preaching about how great America is getting really drunk. Those are just like, to me, the most dangerous crowds uh, because of these these confrontations and these moments I've had. Man, that was good. Adela, I mean, I want to let you handle... Oh, you got to tell him about this. He knows we do shout out now, so he got to give his shout out. So I'm going to let you handle all of that. All right. So to end the episode, we are going to do some shout outs. We have started doing this. It's just been a nice way to bring some positivity into what always ends up being slightly heavy episodes. KJ and I really don't somehow never seem to talk about like easy surface level topics ever. So I'll start. I of course have to shout out my husband, Ahmed, who I would say challenges me constantly and has forced me to really evaluate, you know, myself and what I want in life and has been endlessly supportive and I think confident enough in himself to take on a supporting role as I have really tried to pursue my dreams, which I don't think everyone would do. Um, and so I am deeply grateful for him and for letting, you know, letting us all peek inside his brain a little bit. Your turn, bro. Oh, we... question? oh yeah, go ahead. We keep saying supporting role. And what does that mean? <laughs> because I have a career yeah. and a very intense cycling hobby that takes up 15 hours a week, probably between napping and riding and eating extra and shaving my legs it's longer and so we support each other so what does it mean i guess why is there so much focus and what does it mean for me to be the supporting role here is it because it's your podcast is that why no no can i answer can i give a real answer (laughs) yes because the fucking patriarchy man I'll just be okay. honest. Look, I'll keep it really real. I dated a lot before I met Ahmed in grad school and I loved it. But I also never really met anyone of any of the vastly different men that I dated who I thought would be down to just move overseas with me while I had a job and then uproot their lives again. And even who I think would have been down for me to be like, it's a really crazy pandemic and the economy's crumbling and I'm gonna quit my job. And if it all blows up, you'll take care of me, okay? Or to be like, this is a great one. Ahmed has taken over all of the shared responsibilities for the home, except for food, because I manage that since it's so connected to my work. He does the laundry, the dishes. He coordinates all of the little like mental, you know, what we call the mental load, like the things you need to keep track of and organize. Um, He puts things together. He gets the mail. He takes things out. And that is really because I'm in this intense period where I'm trying to write a book and run a business at the same time. But (laughs) no matter how many American men would say that they're feminists, the data still shows that women are doing the vast majority of this labor, this unpaid labor 
um, because we take on the caretaker and the giver role. So yes, you're busy and you are accomplished. Like you do awesome stuff, but you also support me in a way that I think is still unfortunately rare. I think that's a good answer, sir. How do you feel about that? Absolutely. Yeah. And would you like to give a shout out, sir? I (laughs) I want to give a shout out to Palestine and the resistance continues. And unfortunately, we're seeing a pretty bad episode of violence against Palestinians. And I'm just praying that one day they will find their right to self-determination and can throw off the shackles of Israeli apartheid and oppression. I love every episode, bro. We always have a good, someone says something very powerful. I think that was it today. In terms of my shout out, at the time of this recording, my birthday was last week and I went to Nashville. It was my very first by myself vacation. I've never taken a vacation. Yeah, where it's not family or friends or anything like that or a girlfriend or anything. So it was just me. Um, But I do need to give a shout out to my friend, Dr. Crystal DeGregory, who uh, I did not rent a car while I was in Nashville. And she she graciously took me to all the black owned restaurants that I wanted to visit, including an hour out of town to go to Shelbyville, Tennessee, the uncle nearest, which anyone's listening. Y'all got to go. Y'all got to see this place in person. It's spectacular. So I want to give a shout out to the homie. Crystal, thank you so much for changing your vacation schedule to help me out while I was on vacation. I will never, ever forget when I get rich. I don't know. You're going to get the new cell phone number and we got to figure out some new things, too. But she did you a lot for the me. New cell phone number. Come on, KJ. Everyone's not getting the new number when I get on, bro. I'm going to just be <laughs> honest with you. It's not I mean, it's not happening. I mean, everyone doesn't have my new number, but that's because I had persistent like internet stalkers (laughs) exactly exactly thank you so much for listening to this week's episode we want to encourage you to follow both of us on social media you can find anella at feed the malik both on twitter instagram oh and tiktok i am at black food fridays make sure you put an s on that friday instagram tiktok and twitter although i don't tweet very much right now and we want to I want to say thank you to the I think we have like 30 reviews at the time of this recording on Apple podcast. That is not light. I want to let y'all know that really. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. It means a lot. It lets us know that you're listening, that you're engaging in the content and you don't mind putting your neck out there for us and let everybody else know how dope you think this podcast is. So I want to shout out as an extra shout out to the people who have left reviews and share our podcast with their friends and family. We really appreciate it. So until next time, y'all be well. Anel, I love your ending. Can you do, I know. I know you don't like to be formulaic, but your ending is so good. God, he's gonna make me do it. Okay. Do it. (laughs) Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of the Fix Your Plate podcast on the Eat, Drink, and Dine Network. As always, I hope you were able to take from our offerings to sit down with us at our table and fix yourself a plate.